Welcome to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast, a show about innovations, technology, and leaders in the recruitment industry. Brought to you by TalkPush, the leading recruitment automation platform. Hello, and welcome back to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast. I'm your host, Max Armbruster. And today on the show, I'd love to, I'm, I'm excited to welcome Van de Hatten, and not, not the way he was referred to by the, the great podcaster, Chad Sawash, as a uh, well, I don't know. You'll tell us about how he butchered your name, but Bas, hopefully I get it right. Bas is a professional snoop, is his title on LinkedIn and how he introduces himself. He's a consultant for the talent acquisition professionals who are looking to revisit and improve their process. And today we agreed we were going to have a conversation on the world of assessments and notably assessments. Everybody's been looking in, into assessments in 2021 and deciding is this the right time to revisit? So we want to we wanna dig into Bass's brain to find out when is the right time to change your assessment strategy and what are some case studies that we can learn from. So yeah, welcome to the show, Bass. Awesome to be here. Awesome to be here. And sorry to, to hear about your American friend, Chad, which ring your, your name. You were telling me. Bass, for those who, who don't know your work, and you're very present on social media. So maybe where, where can they meet you on the internet? Where, where's, where's a good place to interact with Bas? Well, on personal interaction, it's usually LinkedIn. If you just want to listen to my views, the Talent Savvy podcast is a great one to subscribe to as well. And of course, I am an avid member of the Recruiting Brain Food Group, Hongli, which We've also digitally met before, Max, and I tried to keep it down a little because I was too active there, according to some people, but it's a great source of uh, inspiration for me, and I try to add a lot of information on assessments and uh, talent strategies. An invaluable resource. I've made it uh, a mandatory uh, reading for anybody in my company, the Recruiting Brain Food by a great, great source and, and also an active community on Facebook. So a uh, great place to, to interact with Bas. And what was the name of the, of the podcast again? Talent Savvy. The Talent Savvy podcast. So you can find Bas more uh, for, for more insights there. So let, let's jump into the topic and let's talk about assessments. But that's a hot topic in 2021, as I was saying, because it seems like a lot of companies have decided to deal with numbers finally by, and the, the numbers, the, the balance has changed a little bit with more candidates and less recruiters during a part of last year, at least. And so naturally assessments came to the fore and people, a lot of vendors are, have also appeared in the last couple of years that are credible vendors and that, that can do all kinds of assessments. I've, I've had a few of them on the show. And, and yeah, so well, what's been your like from a consulting standpoint, are, are companies re revisiting the way they do assessments and are they, they coming and asking you for help of, of that sort? Or do you have to initiate those discussions because they're just happy with you know, what we have is what works, don't break what works and we have an assessment in place, we don't need to change it. Is it are you pulling or are they pushing? No, I'm usually being asked, you know, can you help us? And the downside is usually... In the budget, there is no room for an external consultant. So I most often get asked for free advice. And as soon as I am like, well, why do you 
you know, how am I going to make any money of this? And they're like, yeah, we never thought of that. But uh, you do see a lot of companies now revisiting the assessment strategy. I actually do see a lot of difference in there. So in my home country of the Netherlands, a lot of governments are looking at it, both national as well as on the local level. Because they've now read so many stories, in part published by me and a lot of other people, how uh, assessments done well can actually help your diversity and inclusion and be more fair in your selection process. And for governments, that's, of course, very important. So uh, there's a lot of governments who've actually done amazing cases, which is really interesting to see the, you know, the most traditional organizations you probably think of being the most innovative and piloting cool, proven, but new technologies in a really smart way. Mm -hmm. And actually now also, and I love that about them, they feel the need to also go externally with their data, with their knowledge, and just share what they did and share what the results are. And so that's how case studies are coming out. A lot of them government related. I see, interestingly enough, scale-ups don't see a mishire as being part of the process. They see a mishire as something they need to improve. So a lot of scale-ups are ditching the resume as their first point of entry very quickly because they just, they have one or two mishires and they're like, yeah, this cost us a lot of money. And we have a culture in this company that if something fails, that's not a problem, but we should learn from it. So they don't consider mishires as something that is part of the process that's unavoidable, like a lot of recruiters do. They see it as, okay, how do we prevent it from happening again? And you really see an awesome development there. And and so small companies are implementing all kinds of assessments, sometimes good, sometimes not, because as you said, there's a lot of new vendors on there. A lot of them are awesome. Some of them are complete and total crap, to be honest. So I'm totally fascinated by what you said on governments jumping into the forum, and like innovating, initiated by... Uh, a consciousness and an awareness on fairness and inclusivity. So some strong innovation has been driven by this sort of alleviated political discussion, which has, which has therefore, you know, pushed the buyer to say, okay, well, you know, we're going to remove some of the human error. Yes. Yes. And, and so a lot of them, most of them, let's be very honest, try to do it the traditional way. Oh, we'll do a gender bias training. And then we've at least checked the box, but you have in, On some cases, for example, one of my major clients is the Dutch Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and they now have a head of recruitment who isn't originally from HR. He just got in there. He worked at an embassy for 20, 25 years, and he was just looking at the selection process and said to me at an event, listen, I think it's really strange how we do it. And I'm like, yeah, I totally agree with you. Okay, cool. So we're going to redo this. And he was looking at it with fresh eyes. And of course, there was some pushback from the the recruiters at first, but we've always done it like this. He's like, does that mean that it's good? The fact that we've always done it. So he asked all the questions which you should ask. History doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean it's bad either, but we need to revisit our Uh, original thoughts and they were basically sending the last candidate to an assessment because they said listen we need to have an assessment in there etc etc like a qa check at the end of the the production line 
Exactly. And he literally said, like, uh, listen, about almost nobody gets rejected by the assessment. So we're basically spending a lot of money on getting an external company to sign off on what we've already decided. Sounds just right. Yeah. And this guy, although he's been in government forever, he said, and now you're telling me because he saw one of my lectures when we was pre-COVID, when we were still able to go to events and stuff like that. And he said, and now you're telling me, Bas, that by moving it to a different part of the process, basically putting it all the way up front for the same amount of money, or maybe even less, I can have like two or three or four times the quality. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. He's like, let's do this. (laughs) Let's do this. And he says, I have no idea what what it's about. People in my team, if they had an ID, they should have spoken up a long time ago. So obviously they don't have an ID. Please help us. So, so last, that's been... yeah, you raised something very important here. You said for the same price or maybe less. And I think that's one of the reasons why people have been putting the assessment at the end of the line is they say, well, I pay on a per assessment basis. So, you know, I don't want to spend that kind of money. I don't want to spend like $10, $20 per candidate. Is that changed? And, and from your experience, is that a good way to save money? It depends, which is a very bad answer, I know. But we've got a, a lot of suppliers who now say, listen, we're going to charge you depending on the number of hires you make in a year. And we don't care about the number of applicants. Or we're going to charge you a fixed price anyway. Or we're going to charge you based on a number of candidates, which you are never, ever going to be reaching. So who the hell care? You've got those and you still got more the traditional suppliers who moved online and they're still like like Berlitz and things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, And every interestingly enough, every country has their own set of suppliers because there's a lot. There's actually, interestingly, also a lot of bias in a lot of assessments, which the suppliers will deny, but... I know which assessments have which risk for bias, but, and those are also nationally. You know the so, racist ones. Well, I'll, I'll give you a simple example. If you do a, a Likert scale, that's like a one to five, a Dutch person will always answer a two or a four. We are never on the extremes. We are never extremely bad. We're never extremely good. If you make us choose between two things, we will never say we're not able to do one. If you ask an American, it's always a one and a five, okay. right? They're either great or terrible at something. But yeah. if you start using this data to match with applicants and you, you've yeah. got a cultural problem in there. And uh, the interesting thing is people with a bicultural background from uh, countries like Turkey and Morocco, where we in the Netherlands have a lot of them, have the tendency also to go to the one and the five. Mm. So despite the fact that the test itself isn't biased, the way people read the test and use the test could be biased or is biased. And because by law, it's not allowed to ask somebody for its ethnicity in uh, Europe, you can't correct for that. And the funny thing is every uh, major supplier corrects based on national levels, yet never tells that in public against their clients, to their clients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they can't do it internally, but we know that an Italian will fill out with, with the same characteristics, will fill out a test differently from a Swede. That's just, that's been registered a million times. Yet, what about the Italian living in Sweden? That means yeah. you get a 
wrong test. Sounds like an impossible conundrum. I, I don't think we'll have time to fix it on today's discussion, but give us, can you share, I know you, you prepared some examples of people who did a before and after and who had an assessment system that they thought worked and then they revisited it. So let's jump into those if, if you don't mind, Bas. And you had an example from, what was the one you wanted to start with? Well, Help me out. Uh, I, I think the one which I really liked because it's the most simplest of assessments is from the Dutch Post. And yes. they did it for basically for package delivery people, you know, just the people driving around in a van all day. And they simply changed from asking a lot of data and a resume to sort of a structured questionnaire interview application process. And first of all, they looked at the questions they were asking. And it turned out that some of the locations were asking, how long do you have your driver's license? And others were asking, how many kilometers a year do you, on average do you drive? Turned out the last one was a lot more predictive. So they were simply looking... And a lot of applicants actually feedback because they interviewed recent applicants as well. Like, mm -hmm. And they said, listen, we get the same question two or three times in the process, which they were annoyed about. Annoying. But that was sometimes in the first interview, the, the phone screen, they would be asked, how long do you have your driver's license? And then in the interview, they'll be asked, how much have you driven this year? And for them, it's the same question. And they were like, well, if the first one isn't relevant, why is it still in there? So they made a basic set of questions, both on application as well as in the phone screen. And they were able to, they piloted it, which I loved about their case and that's why I'm, I'm sharing it. They started saying, okay, we've got 15 locations in the Netherlands. Five of them are going to use the new system. 10 of them will continue as is for now. So they had basically the perfect quality control of, is this really better or is it market? Okay, test, yeah. yeah. Perfect A-B test. And the pilot locations saw the early attrition. So people leaving within six months of signing a contract, which is really expensive, dropped from 17 to 12% in a quarter. While the other ones saw it increase from 14% to 23%. Because the market was tightening, early attrition was increasing everywhere, except for the ones where they did the new selection assessment strategy. So, and so in this case, they really just changed one question. And no, 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 asking, they changed a whole lot. I'm just giving one example. They that changed that one, but that was one question that made a big impact. Yeah. 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 And they changed uh, the entire process from basically letting the recruiter on decide what questions to ask to having a structured interview for everything and looking at the relation between the questions and being able to tweak it. They centralized the, the screening process, standardized yeah. it, uh, rather than let yeah, every recruiter kind of set their own questions. That makes sense. It's the same question, like how long have you been driving and how many kilometers you do every, every year? But one is obviously better because it's, it's going to, yeah. yeah, it's closer to what the job actually is. <laughs> Nobody cares exactly. And especially if you notice that one reason for early attrition was apparently that people didn't like uh, being in a car all day, which is something you are if you're a package delivery guy. Yeah. So another really cool case study comes uh, from a completely different market, a stock market trader. Mm -hmm. And the reason I love this case is that they actually, the good thing about financial institutions is they have a lot of money. 
So they were able to simply run two assessments side by side for two years, seeing, you know, what's the predictive value of both of them. They already had a process. And the thing about a stock market trader, you've got to understand, Max, you can't really have a bad hire because it potentially can cost you millions of dollars, right? They're, they're trading on their own accounts. So you really can't make any mistakes. And what they did was they had a more traditional assessment with questionnaires, with the cognitive tests, et cetera, et cetera. And that was pretty good, but it also, it had a price per assessment. So they were only recruiting from the top universities like Oxford, Cambridge, INSEAD. And if wow. you hadn't been there, you shouldn't be applying. They had to do a CV check, which they knew had no predictive value whatsoever. They, they literally said like, we're hiring students, except the school you went to, what could possibly be on there? Absolutely nothing. But we need to do something because too many people want to be a stock market trader because it's, you know, it's still a job which aspires a lot of people because you can make a lot of money in a short time. And they've basically, they went parallel in their test for two years because of all the feedback they had from, okay, this person was hired. We didn't let him go really quickly. This person was hired. We let him go. And I'm especially saying him because they actually never hired a female stockbroker until this year. If you're talking about diversity, they just hired their very first female stockbroker because now what they're doing is they're making brain profiles, as they call them, which is basically a, a next generation cognitive test by a company called Brains First. And they're able to, they've got an insane amount of really interesting game-based cognitive tests. I always call it like four different shooting games. I actually love playing them. Yes, they're long. They're 45 minutes. Wow. When I finished, I was like, what, finished already? Well, if I'm doing a 20-minute questionnaire, at 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, God, I'm only half. But that might be my gaming background. I, I know I listened to your podcast uh, with the guy from Activision and uh, Blizzard. Uh, you have a gaming background, too. I know you love this game, Max. Okay, um, I'll, try, and I'll then, check it out. I'm on their website right now. Brains first. Yeah, 45 minutes for an assessment seems like an awfully long time. But if you have the kind of career that attracts a lot of candidates that they just want to work for you, then why not? You know, you have that luxury. It doesn't work for every it, employer. but It doesn't work for every employer. In their case, it worked really well. And they were now able to, first of all, screen everybody. So they're seeing their diversity and especially in their case, the diversity of all the universities they're recruiting from increase they now actually and i love this about it they say listen on our career site there's a button check if you have the brain of a trader so you can actually check if you're going to go through the second stage of the process before you actually apply mm -hmm. it, it, i mean isn't that cool you, you can actually take away the anxiety of an applicant like okay, you're good enough or not. You're going, you know, and like I said, they, for the very first time, were able to hire a female trader this year. So I think going back to the great example and people should check out Brains First if they're hiring for people who are quick, you know, they need a quick mind, right? Their quick reaction time and the resilience. So that could be a good solution for them. Yeah. We started chatting about when's a good time to rethink your assessments. I was thinking like so some of the symptoms of maybe this is the right time is when you see uh, examples like HR treating the assessment as a necessary step to get through. And like when they're, sometimes you, you see recruiters who are 
coaching and preparing the candidate before the assessment because they really want to get through it. They want them to pass, right? So they say, oh yeah, this is how you're going to pass. And then that way we can get over this thing. You know, that's a pretty clear sign. Are there other, you know, kind of signals people going to look out for that, you know, now is the time to revisit or, you know, what's the cadence at which uh, one should revisit uh, his assessment strategy? Well, I actually think that by definition, you should revisit your process every couple of years at least. But right now, what I've been hearing a lot is we can't find anybody. You know, there's just not enough good people out there. And I've seen a lot of case studies also with these assessments where you're not lowering the bar, but you're opening it up to an entire audience, which you never would have thought of. To give you an example, air traffic control, which by the way, also uses brains first, and I'm not at any way affiliated with them, but uh, they just have awesome case studies and they publish them. So I love them for that. And the air traffic control has actually, it used to be that you needed an academic degree. Then Mm. they said, college degree is good enough. And now they're actually saying, if you just finished high school, you can apply because with our test, we're able to actually assess if you're good enough. And for example, one of the things which is really important for being an air traffic controller is stress resilience. That's something which isn't tested in college or in a a university. It is, and they opened up this entire pool for people with much lesser or no education and were able, and while, and this is the beauty of it, while increasing the quality of hire by 120%. So, because- It's a a beautiful time to be in HR and to be in in recruitment. To have access to these kinds of insights, to say, I'm gonna hire an air traffic controller because that person stays cool under pressure and I can measure that scientifically Right. These things didn't exist 10 years ago. So yeah, for probably like majority of the jobs, if you haven't revisited your assessment strategy in a while, like you should do so regularly um, yeah, because yeah. it's moving so fast. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying that the resume has or experience have no value because for some jobs, I really love the fact that if I'm flying, my pilot has a pilot license. And I love the fact if I'm in an ER, that the nurse is a registered nurse. Um, I'm not saying it works for every job, but I've seen awesome cases also on hiring recruiters who never got a chance and who are awesome at their job with assessments. I recently saw one where at one of those cities, one of the local governments, and they said, okay, for this job, basically 95% of everybody doing it is going to retire within the next five to 10 years. It's really an old man. So they were like, well, we can't hire anybody with experience because then we're going to be hiring somebody again in a few years. You know, we're only postponing the inevitable, but we have all this experience in our company, in our organization now, people who are retiring, who don't mind sharing their knowledge, who would actually love to share their knowledge, but um, there's no official education for this job. It's, it's yeah, they call it uh, the digital archive, basically. And it sounds like the most boring job in the world, but a lot of people love it. You just, you're basically the digital librarian of a city, knowing where to find all the information on who owns what plot of land, what was there in historically, could it be contaminated ground, all those kinds of stuff. Sure, some people would like that. That's a job yeah. for someone. Exactly. But, and what they're now doing is also assessing, they're just telling people like, okay, I don't even want your resume. 
because we know you will have no experience which is relevant for this whatsoever because it's such a unique job. These are the qualities we expect from you. Mm. Here's the test. Show us mm. you've got a quality and the best five from the test will get invited for an interview. They recently did this one and they hired a 24-year-old woman, which was the first woman in that organization doing this job ever. And it was the first person under 50 in a long time. Oh, wow. <laughs> and everybody's now saying, which is interesting because, of course, just hiring a diversity doesn't mean hiring quality. But the feedback from within the organization is, wow, this is such a fresh air. And she learns so quickly because she was screened on having the ability to be able to do the job. Now, she's not able to do the job yet, but... The, <laughs> That's why they're like five old folks yeah. training her to do the job. Yeah, it's a lot of optimism I think I get from your stories. And we can avoid a lot of heartaches and hiring mistakes as well. Going back into your career, your personal career, if you think back, somebody you hired or you recommended for hire, that was a mistake. I don't know if any kind of person comes to mind if I ask you that question. You know, could, could you recount us the mistake and what you learned from it and maybe whether an assessment could have prevented it? Actually, an assessment is now preventing it. Yeah, I, I actually made the same mistake, basically hiring somebody I knew, uh, a friend, who was, first of all, apparently not really fit for the job. And it took me a while to figure out what qualities were necessary for this job. It's basically a researcher position, but simple researcher position. And for twice, I hired a friend on there. One was really, he just didn't have the, the cognitive capabilities. And the other one was really hard to motivate. And if it's a friend, it's even harder to, you know, kick somebody's ass, basically. And they're still friends, but as employees, I would never rehire them. They're still friends, but 10% less. No, 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 no. 100% no, same. <laughs> no, okay. no, no. We're still friends, but I would never rehire them. And they know that. And they the, know the they assessment were that could have prevented it? Well, I've actually developed a few tests now that are preventing it. So for this research, I used to have, I, I would hire four or five people every summer to do a certain research for me, students. And now I've got a few tests, it's, which is basically measuring your information processing speed, your scanning speed, because you're researching websites. You're looking and at... It's a test you build yourself, a home build? Well, I, I took the academics, which I knew measured the cognitive traits I needed to have. And yeah, I had it built in by a, a front-end developer in Russia because that was so much cheaper than actually buying one. But that's because I actually knew at the moment I realized the qualities I needed in my employees. Because I'm an assessment expert, I immediately knew, oh, this test, this test, and this test will work. Mm. And I was able to really yeah, able to put it together very quick. Yeah, it's and I mean it's just three really simple academic tests. To give you an example, if you want to know if somebody can scan a website really fast, you just give them a 2020 grid of letters and you say there's one X in it, find the X. Two seconds. And, Boom. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you, you've got two minutes to find as many X's as you possibly can in different situations. And, that's, and that correlates well. And that correlates really well. And of course, I checked if it correlated and it did. And since that moment, I introduced and I've got three tests. I've hired better and acceptable people, but I have not had a single one completely misfire. And before then, I had at least one mishire every year. 
There you go. Great. Well, thanks for sharing. I'm sure you've given our listeners reasons to, to rethink their assessment strategy, maybe build their own home test because it's not that complicated to build your own test and, or go out into the market to find what's available or reach out to a consultant like yourself, Bas, to guide them through that decision and remember to pay you, not all free advice. So again, the best place for them to get a hold of you is on LinkedIn, uh, Bas Evander Hattard. And maybe you want to share an email? Or... It's, it's, it's my first name at my last name.nl. So Bas at Vanderhater.nl. You can reach out there. You can reach out on LinkedIn. Yeah, if you want to know more about assessments, do a vendor selection, help with implementation, or if you want to build one yourself, I usually don't recommend it because there's just so many awesome tools out there which are usually scientifically much more validated and you really need to know what you're doing in order to make it scientifically sound and there's a lot of law especially in Europe coming up where you will be held accountable if you're using an unvalidated or not perfectly correct assessment and AI system proceed with caution yeah. but don't try this at home <laughs> okay well yeah Okay, great. Thanks a lot, Bas. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. All right. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Bas. There's a lot more of Bas's conversations on Facebook and on LinkedIn if you join the white groups. And, and I think if you don't revise your assessment strategy and you don't take another look at what's available in the market every couple of years, you're definitely going to be missing out. So uh, feel free to turn to Bass for advice or to turn to this show. We also feature a lot of assessments on the show. And uh, please subscribe to receive more. <laughs>